if you try to find five pieces of music, five different pieces of music that are all two to three minutes long, that's a lot of music searching, if that's a proper way to say it. What I like to do is find one song that I'm going to use for recovery, and I tell everybody, this is our recovery song. This is our recovery theme. Every time you hear this song, we're going to go into recovery. So this way, I only have to find one piece of music, and I just reuse it in between each of my drills. Hi, this is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another audio profile, this time from Master Instructor Tom Scotto. Tom, welcome to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. John, always great to be here. And although you have been on the podcast and have created some audio profiles in the past, uh, we're excited to have you as an actual ICI Pro team member now. So thank you. You're very welcome. It's, it's my pleasure, and I, I look forward to more consistent and regular interactions. And I know I do, and I'm quite certain that our pro members do as well. Uh, we posted an announcement a day or two ago and uh, got just a ton of great feedback. For those that maybe are new members that haven't had a chance to dig back through uh, some of the other audio profiles and some of the other podcasts that we've done with you, can you give everybody just a quick understanding of, of who Tom Scotto is and where do you come from, your credentials, you know, what makes you just the warm, fuzzy guy that my wife Amy is so in love with? Uh, well, I mean, my background is really in cycling, more competitive uh, cycling for the last 20 years. And uh, probably somewhere eight, 10 years ago, I uh, trickled into the indoor studio, saw the potential, fell in love with just the ability to train indoors, but also didn't see a lot of my uh, training riding buddies in there. And uh, that sort of piqued my interest to uh, bring a lot more cycling-specific stuff into the studio. I've been working primarily over the last number of years. Many people know me from stage five cycling as an elite level USA cycling coach, coach a number of teams as well as uh, do now a lot of mobile performance work with riders, which includes both VO2 metabolic testing, power testing, as well as uh, biomechanics, which basically means bike fitting and uh, posture alignment and things of that nature. So anything cycling, I, I try to get my, my hands in it. As part of Stage 5 Cycling, you had what I recognize as the most comprehensive indoor cycling certification program available. Can you give everybody just a quick understanding of, of what that was or, or continues to be? It's now the more more comprehensive <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, training for indoor cycling instructors available, to my recollection anyway. We had taken all the different cycling skills and such and uh, that an instructor needed and broke it down into the same level of education that, say, a personal trainer from an accredited national organization would receive. So we're really trying to up the standard for instructors, for education, and for facilities. And then with our merger and acquisition with uh, Cycling Fusion, we're now taking that to a whole new level, including Cycling Fusion's acquiring of heart zones cycling as well. So now that the three of us have merged all this incredible content together, and it's uh, it's coming out. We got our first Essentials and Heart Zones workshops for instructors starting in April. So uh, we're very excited to see the next our next generation of uh, indoor cycle instructor training. Hooray. Yes, and I'm excited as well. And 
just excited to talk about you because I just see that you have just this enormous resource for instructors who are looking for more, you know, than just the the basics, the the one day workshop, send you out on the street. So very cool. All right. Very cool. Let's get to your audio profile that you're calling your numbers. I was thinking of calling it, hey, babe, what's your number? But I didn't, you know, I didn't know how that would be. <laughs> I didn't know if that would be a, you know, a multi-gender thing that we can swing it. But I, I just figured your numbers was uh, probably safe. And what do you see as the description of this profile? Over the years, we're starting to see more and more training tools. And what I'm referring to as far as training tools in the indoor cycling studio are the, the measurements and, and numbers on the bikes. And, uh, you know, we got some of the this more standard ones that we're somewhat familiar with, you know, the heart zone numbers and cadence. And then in recent years, the power has come in and then offshooting from those numbers or other numbers that are related to them. Sometimes it can be really confusing to not just a rider, but also the, an instructor to figure out, number one, how do you explain these numbers without making each class that you teach uh, a science lesson? And more importantly, how do you use them and have fun with them in class? So I thought this would be a great way to build a one-hour ride that covered three of the main numbers that we can use in class, but more importantly, help riders to identify them and understand them for themselves correctly and be able to use them to show progress and improvement. Because one thing that I've been aware of is that we really haven't been doing profiles that are focused on those studios that have indoor cycling bikes that have the option of displaying power. And so I'm very excited about that. So let's get started. Well, obviously, the, the objective for this ride is to be able to help riders learn their numbers. And, and I think that's probably the most important initial announcement to make as an instructor going after you know a ride like this is letting them know that the numbers that they're going to sort of experience and explore during our ride are theirs personally theirs you know not really something that they're going to want to compare with other people because there are a number of factors obviously one of the things that that we're going to be doing on ICI Pro over the the upcoming weeks is I'm going to be putting out some posts that explore each of these numbers individually so instead of going into that type of grave detail during this profile, we're going to keep it more fun, but then every week we'll kind of break down each number so instructors can get a lot more meat as to uh, how they might use it. But for, uh, for this profile, we're going to look at three numbers in particular. We're going to look at the cadence number, we're going to look at their heart rate, and we're going to look at their power number. And uh, what we try to do is come up with a way of having some fun with these, but making the rider become... The, the one that's observant of what's going on with their body. What does this number mean to them as far as how hard they're working, how fast they're pedaling, how much work is being produced? The important thing when you're doing a class, maybe you've, you just got some new bikes, or you walk into a studio and, and they just you know updated the bikes and now you have all these numbers on there, or riders have been working with the bikes but didn't really have a good perspective of the numbers, you want to keep things relatively simple. And when you take a look at the profile, even on paper, you'll notice that even though multiple sort of uh, the, the cadence, the heart rate, and the power all being used in somewhat in each drill, we really only want the rider to focus on one at a time. Because when they get too many numbers in their head, if they're, they're really trying to wrap their minds around it, it can get very confusing and we lose them. 
So two things you'll notice, there's usually only one focus during each drill, except when we get towards the end, and I'll explain that. And you'll notice that the format of each of the drills is very simple. We're trying to do like a 30-second on, 30-second off. We're not trying to create all these really complicated drills so that they're trying to think about the number and remember what you know the instructor said. And So simplicity is the key, but really let them get to know themselves. So we want to start with a warm-up. I think it's, you know, it's always a great way to, to start. I would probably leave all the numbers out of the warm-up and uh, you know, do your traditional introduction, allow people to uh, wake up the legs and uh, get their heart rates up and generate some heat. But the warm-up is a good time to explain what the workout's going to be about. The tendency for something like this when we get a little technical and we're talking about you know, the computers and numbers is that we can, we can talk a lot. Because there's a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, if you look at some of these consoles on the bikes, um, there's a lot of numbers on there. So what's helpful to do is to sort of set the stage in the warm-up. And the warm-up I have in the profile is about 10 minutes long. It's two five-minute songs. Uh, the first five minutes, I try to get all my talking done. The second five minutes, I try to warm them up the rest of the way. What this does is it gets a lot of the technical mumbo-jumbo out early. So when you're actually doing the drills and you want them to focus on that particular number, you're not over-explaining things. So I find that really helpful. It keeps the, the sort of the drills per se clean and sort of uploads all the that noise and uh, <laughs> a lot of talking up front. And not that it's, say it's not important. It's just uh, people only have so much bandwidth for listening to stuff and trying to focus at the same time. So just let them know, okay, we're going we're gonna to look at you know, three simple elements. Cadence, how is your leg speed and the effectiveness of, of how you pedal? How does it affect your ride? You know, what are some of your efficient leg speeds? And we'll, we'll figure that out as we, as we go along. Then we'll shift our focus to heart rate and we'll look at just two elements of how our body responds with heart rate. One, how does it respond to some shorter aerobic efforts and how does it respond to more steady muscular work and you don't have to go into a huge definition of of the difference of the aerobic and the muscular when you describe the drill later on you can give them that little bit of definition and then finally we'll end the ride focused on power uh, how it affects our heart rate for a specific power number so we'll really get to see our own power numbers and also, we'll look at how power is affected by our cadence. You know, it's really a cursory overview of, of what the numbers are on the bike, but it does set the stage as they continue to train and use these so they can see, wow, here how, here's how my training will be affected if I do X. And sometimes it's helpful to answer some of the questions that they've had before they ever had any tools, like people riding with not enough resistance. How does that really affect my performance? Well, when you get to see it and how leg speed affects your power, it connects a lot of things that we weren't able to connect with uh, without these tools. So second part of the warm-up, I mean, I put some suggestions out there. I like to uh, give them some, a little bit of leg speed work, some accelerations to wake up sort of the legs a bit and also give them some standing work, some standing sort of efforts that I, I like to consider climbs. Uh, most people who take my classes know I like to relate everything to something on the road. So for me, it makes it you know, a lot more uh, fun and 
honestly, a lot of the warm up stuff we do on the bike outdoors is it's not all that exciting. I mean, we, you know, we leave our house, you know, if you're training on your own, you got your own routine, you know, we meet up with a, a couple of friends on a group ride and, you know, we're pretty much spending, uh, you know, 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes warming up and then we get down to business. So we do have to get a little creative, get, you know, use a, use some structure when we're warming up indoors. So people get where they need to get before we, we hit them with the, with the heavy stuff. But so a few accelerations, spin up the legs. I like to let people know that leg speed is an individual uh, attribute and uh, they shouldn't be worried about what the person's doing next to them. Just spin up the legs to where they feel they're fast, but they're also in control, meaning there's no bouncing in the saddle. And uh, keep it simple. I usually do 30 seconds of acceleration, 30 seconds where they get to relax. And then I might do the same thing for this five minutes where maybe the second two minutes I'll have them come up out of the saddle with additional resistance to compensate for their body weight not really focused on performance or how fast their legs are going or how fast they're climbing, but just working on balance forward, backward on the bike between the handlebars and seat, and also sort of balance but more relaxing movement side to side to imitate that natural movement a bike would have, but our indoor bikes generally don't. And our goal really from the time we start the class and they're on that easy road till we get to the second part of the warm-up, we want their heart rate to come up and we talk a lot about some of the five zone systems usually they're they're in zone two creeping into zone three by the end of the warm-up and as far as a physical response that's usually when their their breathing rhythm becomes strong but still sustainable and even though some of our drills when we get into them after the warm-up the heart rate could come down it's always good to, to at least get them up into sort of a zone three range during the during the warm-up so again, nice, easy breathing all the way up to steady, strong, but sustainable breathing. People that have heart rate monitors, obviously you can give them a bit more of a range, but we're learning about that. So we're not going not gonna to give them too many numbers in the beginning. I'm going to keep it pretty low key so no one gets confused and everybody feels like we're learning together. So let's, let's dive into some cadence. So the first drill we're going to do is, is we're going to just see how efficient our seated leg speed is. Without the numbers, you know, we can spin really fast. We don't really have an idea of how fast we're really going. If you've got cadence, at least, you know, sort of predicted by music, then you, you have a little bit of an idea. But really, it's nice to be able to identify specifically by looking at the number on your computer and seeing, okay, this is exactly how fast my legs are going, and here's how I feel at that speed. So we've got a six-minute drill, and the intensity ranges can be, can be great on this because Depending on how good someone's pedal technique is and how relaxed they are and how smooth they are when they're riding is really going to indicate where their heart rate's going to go. People that have very good pedal stroke technique uh, and are very relaxed in the saddle can spin at high speeds and keep their heart rates very low, like even in zone one, where someone who's maybe not on the bike comfortably has not really worked on nice, smooth muscle engagement, they're fighting the mechanics a little bit more and their heart rate's going to go up higher so uh, if you look at the profile i, I kind of give a, a wider range of 60 to 80 percent perceived effort and probably somewhere between zones two and four which you know it's a considerable range cadence is going to be varied i like to start this drill at 60 rpm and i, I tend to use music that's 60 rpm reason being is I, I i let them increase their speed for 30 seconds to whatever the indicated speed is and then i have them return to 60 rpm as their rest 
So it's sort of satisfying when you reconnect, at least to me anyway, because I like the, to sync with the music. It's nice to reconnect with the music during that time of recovery. So it's very simple. Actually, for the first minute, they're pretty much just hanging out at 60 RPM. Uh, I like to have them add enough resistance where they feel like they're on a noticeable road. Sometimes I'll ask them to have enough resistance where they have just enough to stand. And that usually makes sure that they're not going to lose control of the bike when they get to the higher speeds. But any cue you can give them so that they have adequate resistance. Again, I'm staying away from telling them how much power I want on the bike because we haven't explored that yet. Uh, at the end, we'll have all kinds of tools and all kinds of ways to help our riders get where they need to be. But right now, we're learning. So nice first minute, 60 RPM. They've got resistance on the bike they can feel. Hopefully, their, their heart rate hasn't gone up very much at this point. We get to minute two. We give them 30 seconds at 70 RPM. They get to see how they're feeling. They're not going to touch any resistance. They're just going to increase that leg speed, 30 seconds of recovery. And we just work our way up all the way to 110 RPM. And they can take note. That's what you want them to do after each of these drills. Take note, where did you see your leg speed start to break down? And what does that mean by break down? Well, did you start to bounce in the saddle? Because that's one option. A lot of people can pedal very fast, but they just don't have a lot of control. Whereas other people can't get their leg speed up very fast. So, you know, you got to make sure that, it, that both parties have something that they can take note of. Just have them, have them note where that is because that could be the point where when they go to do speed work and they're trying to train their leg speed, that's the speed they're going to want to target, that point where they just start to notice the breakdown. Uh, so it gives them a tool on how to use the cadence, not just, well, let's look at our numbers, but what is my number? Where am I most efficient in the saddle? After this drill, I'll give them a two-minute recovery. If someone needs more recovery, always give them the option to take it. And I try to make that known over and over. And, and of course, you want to do it in such a way where someone doesn't feel bad, but you're, you know, you're still making them feel successful. The recovery is a great time to explain what they might have felt, even ask some questions. Uh, a lot of instructors always... I shouldn't say always. A lot of instructors in the past have had a hard time with recovery because they don't know what to talk about and they feel like riders don't like to recover because they're getting gypped out of their workout. Um, they should need to recover. But here you have a good excuse during recovery because you get to ask them, you know, how did you feel during that? What did you learn? Does anyone have any questions? Two minutes should go by pretty quick. Uh, I like to keep the tempo nice and easy as far as the cadence. Uh, good recovery range is about 80 RPM. I try not to go faster than 100 RPM, light resistance, perceived effort's really low. You know, zone one, zone two, 50, 60% perceived effort. Now, a little note on the music here. Most of the time when you're doing, like, I call this like a specialty class, a technical class, there's a number of recoveries. I think I, I, think I counted five. If you try to find five pieces of music, five different pieces of music that are all two to three minutes long, that's a lot of music searching, if that's a proper way to say it. What I like to do is find one song that I'm going to use for recovery, and I tell everybody, this is our recovery song. This is our recovery theme. Every time you hear this song, we're going to go into recovery. So this way, I only have to find one piece of music, and I just reuse it in between each of my drills. And it works well in most classes. It works really well when you have a technical class like this, because most of the time, you want to lower the volume of the music during the recovery and you're going to be talking to them. So music is really background. So my recommendation, my strong recommendation, don't kill yourself trying to find all kinds of recovery music for this. 
find one good, steady, relaxing tempo and, and, just, and then use it between each drill. And second drill, very similar to the first. This time we're looking at standing cadence. You don't want people sprinting, which is sometimes what gets interpreted when you get to the faster speeds. You just want them to be able to have resistance that supports them and allows them to come up out of the saddle and feel connected to the bike and connected to the road. Uh, a little shorter drill, we do it five minutes. A lot of people can't stand for repeated times or longer times, so you want to be considerate of that based on your demographic. You're going to see a little higher heart rate because we are out of the saddle. We're generally using more resistance to sustain our body weight, probably an intensity of 70 80% perceived effort. And then if you're using the zones, uh, you're going to be hanging somewhere zone three, zone four. So breathing, again, is going to be strong, but breathing might even get uncomfortable uh, when you're doing these speeds out of the saddle. Start at 60 RPM, same deal. Let them settle into that for the first minute and then... At minute two, you give them 30 seconds at 70 RPM, 30 seconds recovery. Repeat the pattern all the way until you get to 100 RPM. Now, sometimes people can't go that fast out of the saddle. So if someone finds themselves topping out, let's say at 80 RPM, which is fairly common, it it takes a lot to have real resistance on the bike and maintain good form and good relaxed movement and maintain high speed. So make sure people don't feel bad that they can't, let's say they stop at 80 and now you're going to go to 90 and 100 RPM. Make sure that they continue to work at that 80 because they've already identified that point where their efficiency starts to break down. So they want to take note of that and that's something they're going to train with. That's their personal limiter that they want to work with. So if they can't do the 90 and 100, they just keep doing the 80 and they're already working on their cadence right there. Right on the spot, they already used the numbers they learned. Good time to talk about balance and relaxation when you're out of the saddle. That's a sort of a little side note for the warm-up. If you're going to get people out of the saddle, make sure you help them with their balance because oftentimes standing, particularly at, at faster leg speeds, it's, it's often not always an issue of strength that someone's not strong enough. Many times, riders are not balanced. They're leaning too far forward, leaning too far back. It puts all kinds of stress on the body and the joints and it doesn't feel comfortable and riders feel like they can't do it. So if you feel like your class might have some challenges there, that might be something to to help them with so they can be more successful during these drills. In between each focus, so if we just did a cadence focus, I like to give a little longer recovery. So it gets you to do a little bit of a a summation at the end. So I'm going to do a three-minute recovery, my same sort of Nice background recovery song that I didn't have to go search from iTunes again to find. Lower the volume. Let them know, you know some things they might have experienced. If you've got a few questions that you think you can answer or just kind of interact with your riders, it's really great. But let them know what's coming up. Now we're going to shift our focus to heart rate. How is our heart rate going to respond? That concludes part one of Your Numbers from Master Instructor Tom Scotto. ICI Pro members can look forward to the continuation of this podcast, and it will be number 141.